Hi there, my name is Preston Puto. Welcome to the Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. This is where we share some of our messages from Sunday mornings. So we're glad you're here to listen. We'd love for you to join us in person. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. At our core, we're a community of people. So we gather on Sundays, but we also do a lot in the week together. We are people learning to follow Jesus and love our city. So to learn more, visit lakeridgecommunity.com. Hope to check in and visit with you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. Uh, this morning, we are continuing on our sermon series journey, and uh, he saw that it was very good. This is what God said when he made us. He saw that it was very good. What I made here is good. Now, you might have come from a week where you didn't feel like it is very good. But the pins in this, the pins in the darkness of this world that we are experiencing, that make a little pinhole of light that come through, what they often look like is a meal shared between people. And so we see this theme coming through in the book of Genesis. I've experienced uh, some hospitality in, this, in some interesting places. We're, we're going to talk about Abraham, who is this like tribal guy, tribal leader. Seems so foreign to us as like suburban people here. Uh, but I got to experience hospitality from tribal people over the years. And so I, I, found, I found a few pictures here. Um, one of the first ones, let's see which is the first picture to, to, to pop up. There we go. This is when I was, uh, we traveled to Lake Titicaca in Peru. It's the highest lake in the world. It's higher than any mountain in, in Alberta. And there's a lake up there. There's people living uh, on this island in the lake. And they are very short because they live so high for generations. They're like this, this big. And their house has doors that are this big. And their bed that I slept in was this big. And it was fantastic. And they made food for us, and we didn't share each other's language, but they welcomed us into their home when we were traveling on, on this uh, place. And, uh, and it was just the most beautiful hospitality that I've experienced as a stranger, totally into where they are. These, um, these are the Uru people. Show, show the next one here. Uh, this, this is me. It's a little bit dark because it's a dark home. It was a home made of mud. And these are the Mas Maasai people. And I got to go and spend some time with them. And they were also very hospitable. And they wanted to show me their, their, their dancing when I was there. And they dance where they like jump straight up and down, like really high. And these aren't short people. These are really tall people. Like they are like seven feet tall. And, uh, and the one of them there, I think it's the guy on this side here, thought that I was pretty funny. And he liked making jokes about, about me, and he gave me his like weapon that he uses to hunt animals, and I keep it in my um, in 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 my stuff now. And he made me in front of everybody throw the thing to try to hit something, and I just kind of went right in the ground, and they all laughed. And I thought that I, I thought I thought it was fun. I I'm I'm fine being the brunt of the Maasai jokes. Um, and then the last one here, uh, this is we went to uh, stay with the Bedouins. These are people who live in the desert, in, in, in the Negev region, uh, in the south part of, of, of Israel, Palestine. And we slept under these tents, and it's where I probably felt the most like Abraham, right? Uh, we were reading some of the scripture, and we stayed with these people, and they served us food, and there was a strange meat in there, and I said, what, what am I eating? And they go, camel. Because so I just ridden a camel. I think it was a joke. I don't think I ate camel, but maybe I did. I don't know. But um, uh, and then and then we stayed there overnight. And uh, I pulled my mattress out under the stars, and it was just 
a slice of heaven being treated by these people. I don't think we often know what hospitality is here. About 10% of Canada's GDP is from a hospitality industry, right? You pay money to have somebody uh, show you hospitality or show others hospitality, which is fine because I, I'm, I don't know if I can make as much food for a lot of people. So sometimes going out to a restaurant is a great way of showing hospitality. And, but there's something about having something as meager as a tent or a mud hut or a little fire in your little hobbit-sized house uh, that show, invites people into your world and you offer what you have. <laughs> you offer what you have. When I studied at UBC, we would take our food, whatever it was, and we would meet down at the beach and eat. Now, we were seminary students, so we had no money. I mean, less than no money. <laughs> so we'd bring like mac and cheese that's an hour old, half cooled, and we'd bring it down and we'd eat it together. I remember those being some of those beautiful times of hospitality that we shared together. We didn't have a lot, but we brought it out and it was fine. And so the story that we're going to be reading today uh, is about Abraham meeting three guests that come. But before we read it, we need to read the seven rules of Bedouin hospitality. These are the seven rules that happen when you are a desert person, and these are rules that have probably been around longer than there's been rules, right? This is what happens. So to understand the scripture that we're going to read, we need to take a look at what these rules are. These are unspoken cultural things that happen when you show up to a tent. When Kelly lived and was a missionary in Africa, she said, when you first came to someone's house, you did this. Hello! Because someone might be naked or something else might be happening and you do not want to step into to that. So you clap a long ways off. Hello, I'm coming. Put your clothes on or something, right? You don't text you don't put a date in the calendar. You just walk to someone's house clapping your hands and hoping that that's good. Um, I live in a neighborhood, and sometimes I still do it. I'm coming over, right? Um, Preston's here. That isn't even one of the rules, but it's a good one, and, uh, and you should use it. Anyway, in the zone around the settlement or tents that you were, this is rule number one, the villagers of that area are responsible to offer hospitality to strangers. It's a rule. When you come within earshot, you are now in the responsibility, a stranger is now in the responsibility of that village. And if that village or that tent, that settlement does not show hospitality to the strangers, it is like bad news for them, right? And so that is rule number one. You have to be responsible for the people. Number two, the stranger must be transformed from a potential threat to becoming an ally by the offer of hospitality. When a stranger comes, they no longer uh, stay a stranger, <laughs> The first greeting changes you from being a stranger to not only just kind of a neutral person, but an ally. You're now part of, you are now on side of. The idea of shaking a hand is a way of saying, hey, like, I open my hand, I'm not weaponized, I'm, I, I'm not here to hurt you, hello. So we shake, right? And you come on in and now you are an ally. Third, uh, the, only the male head of the household is the one that first sets the sets the, the tone. This might be odd to us in these days, but in ancient times, it was the male who was the head of the house because he represented the entire, right? And when he said, we welcome hospitality to you, it's the doorway that everybody in this home is now part of your hospitality, right? So it's, it's, it's setting a tone and saying, welcome to the care of my family, and I declare that you are safe here. The fourth one is an invitation might include like a time span statement. 
you should probably do this with your, with your crazy aunt and uncle that, 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 that come and stay with you for a while. Right? Are you staying for a weekend? Is this a week? Is it two hours? What, what is it, right? And they'd kind of establish that, but it would be renewable, right? So you'd say, hi, you, you are here. How long is this going to go for, right? And they would try to make it agreeable to, to both parties. So often they'd say, please stay. Please stay. You are not, I'm not going to just feed you a meal. Please, please, there's a bed. If you need to stay overnight, there's a place to put your horse if, if you need it longer. The, the host would try to say, come. Come into my world and be at peace here. Number five, the stranger has the right of refusal. <laughs> they can say, no, 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 no. No, 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 please, please, please. I, I do not want to put, put you out. But it would be considered an affront to the host if you did that too, too much. So it's a sense of like false propriety, right? No, 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 I really couldn't stay. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you insist, right? Sometimes we do that now with, with uh, credit cards, right? Who has to put the credit card down at the supper table first, right? Oh, no, 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 please. There's more room on mine, you know? I like that. Once, this is the interesting, number six and seven. Once the invitation is accepted, the role of the host and the guest, they are set by certain rules and customs in this ancient uh, in this ancient way. The guest must not ask for anything. This is going to be important, but the guest does not ask for anything. But the host provides the best of what he does have. Right? So, when I went into the slums of uh, this part of Kenya, they brought out, they went out, now they had nothing. And I didn't ask for anything, but they went out and they brought back a bottle of Fanta. Now, I learned that this bottle of Fanta was like a Christmas present. <laughs> but they brought the very best that they had. And they wanted to bring it to me when I was, was there. Despite the modesty of the offer, of the initial offer of hospitality. And the guest is expected to reciprocate immediately with this. With news, with predictions, with good tidings. What is going on, right? So you come in and you say, oh, I just came from this other place. I have a story to, to tell you. Or it could be a lot of words of expressions of gratitude and praise ho ho he heaped on the host's generosity. And the host must not ask personal questions of their guest. Okay? So you come on in, and there's this, and there's this customary relationship in this ancient world. And only matters can be volunteered by the guest. So if you have a guest, you don't say, so where are you from? What are you about? How much time did you spend in the big house? Right? You, you don't ask those, those sorts of things, right? And last one, number seven, the guest remains under the protection of the host until the guest has left the zone of obligation of the host, okay? These are the seven ancient rules of this time with the included clapping, which, which I add because it sounds good, right? So we're going to read Genesis 18. And with all those rules in mind of, this, of, this, of these cultural changes, I want you to listen to this story here of, of, of what, what happens. I think it's profound. And what I want you to pay attention to is both how the customs are upkept and how the customs are broken. <laughs> broken by Abraham and broken by this one, one guest in particular. This is how it goes, Genesis 18. Uh, I wonder if, if you could put up that, that last slide, Corrine. Thank you. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day, and he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them. 
bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with your visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you've said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, three, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham went, ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and some roasted meat and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the tree. Interesting, eh? Here comes these three strangers. One of them is called the Lord. The same word used Yahweh, the same word for God. (laughs) Three strangers, one of them is called God. Who just showed up at his door? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But look at the way he responds. He's like down low. He's like, please stay. You are here. What, what, what can I do? Snap, snap. You know, get the best stuff. We're, we're going to feed you. Please stay a while. Please come. Please, please come. So the visitors uh, said this. Where is your, where's Sarah, your wife? She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, he's also so old? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, but the Lord said, no, you, you did laugh. <laughs> and the men got up from their meal, and they looked out towards Sodom. And as they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become great and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be pleased through him. I've singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I've promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I I heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going to go down there and see if their actions are as wicked as I've heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom. So two of them, two of these two um, particularly unusual people, go down to Sodom. But the one man, he stays. And he says this, The other men turned and head down towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous living among the city. Will you sweep it away and not spare them for, for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. And he goes on and he says, would you sweep them away for 50? Would you save it if if there was maybe 45 good? And he gets all the way down to 10. Why? Because his nephew Lot is living there. And all the way through, the Lord is saying, don't worry, I will save. I will save. I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. When the Lord had finished this conversation with Abraham, he went on his way and Abraham returned to his tent. 
What an interesting thing. What an interesting story. There's a lot of theologians, and they think that this is like a pivotal moment where Jesus shows up to Abraham. It's called, theologians call it a theophany, where God shows up to somebody, or a Christophany, when Jesus himself shows up. And there's a number of places in the Old Testament where somebody's, somebody's doing something, and we can't see God or God's Spirit, but somehow this person shows up. A person with flesh and blood. A person who eats. A person you can talk to. A person you can touch. The only picture of this that we have is Jesus, right? Who shows up even on the shores of Galilee to his friends, and he serves breakfast for them, because he wants to feed them on the shores, as, as uh, Chris and Ed were reading this morning. But here we have, Jesus, Jesus shows up to Abraham. Now I tell you, sometimes when I wonder what it would be like to see Jesus for the first time, there's going to be a day where I get to stand in a place, I walk up, and Jesus is going to be standing in front of me. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to run around, I don't know if I'm going to puke, I don't know if I'm going to dance. I don't know if I'm going to hug him. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because this person that I've known and loved for so long is going to be standing in front of me. This person who's been faithful to his promises to me and those I love from the dawn of time until now, he's been faithful to me. And to see the person who's been faithful to me front and center is going to be profound. It's going to probably destroy me and build me up all at the same time. And I don't even know what that's going to feel like. But there I'm going to be. And here Abraham, he encounters the one who's been meeting him in these weird flames of fire and visions and all the ways. And suddenly he meets Jesus and his two compatriots and they're sitting under a tree. Now we have to pause here. We have the benefit of skipping forward to the life of Jesus. We have the benefit of seeing who this Jesus was. Abraham at this point didn't know. Sarah definitely didn't know. She's in there. She doesn't quite yet believe that a God would care for them. That a God has the power to care for them, to make her have a baby? Yeah, right. The only gods that they knew were these desert spirits that you had to sacrifice some stuff to, and maybe if they were any good, they could bring a little rain once in a while. But to have a God a person come and promise something to you and keep showing up to you and then sit around your table and eat your dead goat and, and your yogurt, it's just, it's, 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 it's a little bit mind-blowing. And she doesn't really know who she's talking to. And I love that if we can call him Jesus, that God is, Jesus is standing there, and she's saying, and she's lying to him. <laughs> I didn't laugh. Yeah, yeah, you did. I, I know. <laughs> I can see your heart. I know who, who you are, and I love you. I know you don't believe me, but I'm going to come back in a year. I'm not only going to keep the promise that, that you're going to have a child, I'm going to keep the promise that through you, the whole world's going to be blessed. And then you won't be laughing in the same way. You'll be laughing tears of joy. Because I am who I am. So, God comes into Abraham's care. Isn't that interesting? I wonder what it is like to have a God who would come into your care. Come under your protection. Come into your world. This is the whole point of Jesus and the incarnation. That he comes into our world and into our care. <laughs> Isn't it, it's crazy to me to think that God would step in. And that he would, he would submit to his friend for care so that they can talk. Come to his level. Come into his home. Also, rule number two is a stranger must be transformed from being a potential threat to becoming an ally. God comes to Abraham and makes Abraham his ally. 
He says, I'm coming into your world so that we can be on par. The word from God from me this summer is that God's been saying to me, Preston, you've not been my friend. You've been many things to me. You've served me. You've followed me. You've listened well and you've done some of the things. But we are allies and friends. That's our primary relationship. And when you are my friend, guess what the things that we can be together? We can sit long. We can talk. We can talk face to face. God connects with Abraham in this profound way. I think this conversation reveals how God wants to talk to us. Here's Abraham, and Abraham is next thing talking to God, and he's saying, could you, could you not do that thing over there? Like, could, would you save my friend? <laughs> and it's showing something really complex here. It's showing that actually God's mind can change. Now, God is unchangeable, and I don't really know how to put this paradox together, that God is unchangeable, and he does always what is good, and he's always going to get his way. But when he talks to us as an ally and a friend, we can talk to him and say, God, could you do this this thing here too? (laughs) Could you repair this thing? For the thing that that you're going to do, could you make a way for me and those I love in the middle of it? And this mighty God who's coming to him says, you know what, you bet. You bet, I'm going to save the people that you love. I'm going to do this thing. Because that's what happens when you have a friend, is you can talk together and actually change each other's minds. And here's Abraham putting his life be before God, and God is actually setting himself before Abraham too. They're becoming friends. Did you know God can be your friend? Jesus can come and sit in the heat of the day and sit around your table too and be your friend? I don't think we barely even know how to handle that. How to handle that God can be our friend. So readers of this story, when they are first reading this, the book of Genesis, we aren't that far in. And remember how Jesus, or how God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and then things were broken, but now for the first time, God is walking and meeting with Abraham. He's saying, this is my goal. My goal is that we will rebuild this relationship. I'm showing up here because I guess I can't stay very long, but I'm going to show up again and again and again, and I'm going to be with you. There's this grand hope that shows up in Isaiah 25. Eric read it here. I'm going to, I'm going to read it again. Because this grand hope keeps showing up that one day we will eat and have this relationship of hospitality again. And so the prophet Isaiah, he, he said this. He said, in Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all people of the world. This is this great promise God has given to Abraham. It's going to be for everyone. For all people are going to be at this feast. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the clouds of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. In that day, the people will proclaim, This, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. 
Even in Isaiah, in their darkest times, when they're surrounded by their enemies, they know who their God is. This is the God of the table. This is the God of the feast banquet that's going to be for all. You see, they've tasted what it was like that God would break into their world and change them. And they didn't know how, but they knew that this was their grand promise, is that God would come near and all would be made well. and Their tears would be wiped away from their eyes. It's probably the one thing my mom shared with me the most growing up, was that one day God would wipe away our tears forever. It's a great hope. I don't know if you're like me, but right now the world is full of a lot of tears. Maybe your home is full of tears. Maybe you are seeing through a veil of tears as you are here today. Well, I think Jesus is coming to the edge of our tent and saying, are you there? (laughs) Can I come sit with you? Do you have a goat? Mac and cheese? Whatever. Invite me in. I want to be your ally. I want to come under your home and under your care. In Matthew 22, 2-4, Jesus, he compares heaven to a banquet where there's going to be many who are going to be welcomed and come. There's a whole lot of people that don't want to go to the, to the wedding. And Jesus, he, he tells this story where he says, then go out into the ditches, go out into the alleyways, and gather up whoever you want and get them to my party. Because we are going to have a banquet, and it is going to be for whoever wants to be a part of it, and when they come, the king is going to be there, and we're going to banquet feast together. When I was at the McAllister wedding, it was a feast. We ate and we drank and someone had some cigars out back and it was just like people, we were celebrating. People were hugging me. So I didn't know, there's so many hugs. And it was just a little taste to me of what it's going to be like. People we don't even know we're going to be hugging because we're going to turn around and go, this happened. This great hope that the king would have a feast and welcome us all here. That the great promise to Abraham at the edge of a tent is for you and me now. It worked. It happened. Jesus is who he says he is. And he's done what he says he would do. And it occurred. And I am here. And you're here. Let's bring it in, right? We're going to spend a lot of time together here. Maybe like Sarah, we're laughing. It can't happen. God isn't that powerful. Not the gods I see around us here. Not the ones I scroll through on Instagram. I I don't see a God as powerful as the one you are telling me. So I laugh. We say, God, no, I didn't laugh. Yeah, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, God, you will do things. I think Jesus says to us, no, you did. (laughs) You don't yet know. But don't worry, it is not on you. I am going to be the one to do what I say. So how do we take this amazing news that Jesus has moved in and he's tapping on our door and saying, can I come into your tent and sit with you? I think we do one response, and Jesus gave it to us. He said, love God and love your neighbors. In Hebrews 13, I'll find it here. So many little things in my Bible here. In Hebrews 13, 2, it says this. Don't forget, or keep on loving each other. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. Do you want to get in on what God's doing? Do you want to get into a place where maybe you have some three visitors knocking on your door, clapping at the entrance? Let me tell you what you do. You entertain a stranger. You make your home a place of abundant and radical hospitality for others. 
You make that door, you, you make that door, you oil the hinges on it so it opens easily to others. You throw some food in the deep freeze that can be thrown in the oven at a moment's notice. You open your world and set up your beautiful home for a place that entertains strangers and in doing so, I think you're going to meet Jesus there. And Jesus promises as much. Love me and love your neighbors. That is my new command. That is my new promise to you. And I will be there. I will show up between you and others. And I will make good things happen. Let me tell you, there's something holy about having people in your home. There's something holy about going around someone else's table and eating the food that they have. I'm going to end with this story. And it's this. I was visiting with a person uh, who was from Afghanistan. He was grown up in, in Afghanistan, and he came here. And we were talking politics. Talking to an Afghani person about politics, about the Middle East. I think I know a thing. I know nothing. He knows way more of what's, what's going on. And he had some crazy ideas that I've never even heard of before. But we got chatting. And I learned about his family, and I learned about where he came from. And then, and then I asked him this. I said, I, this is strange. Um, but I said, I'm preaching on Abraham this Sunday. Said, oh, we love Abraham. I said, yeah, you and I share in this promise, right? With the great three Abrahamic faiths, right? Uh, Jews, Christians, Muslims, we all point back to Abraham and say, we share in this promise that somehow God is going to make the world good again. Well, he came from a place that is not, not good, and he has stories to share. But I said, you came here to Canada, what was that like? And he's like, oh, I love Canada. I love Canada. Everybody on my street loved me. When I got to meet people, they, uh, we moved into the whitest neighborhood you've ever been in. And we thought that we'd be in trouble. But my dad said, we can come and we can be friends with these people. And they will love us. And, and uh, I said, what was the hospitality like? And he's like, oh yeah, we were welcomed in. And we were loved. And today, and, uh, today he's a very respectable, amazing person. And we enjoyed a long visit. But I also said, said this. I said, how is, how is, how is our white Western uh, hospitality different? He goes, it's, they're nice, but they're not as hospitable. <laughs> They are closed. In my culture, the arms open quickly. The hugs come easy, easily. That's not really what happens here in the same way. Friends, I think we have a thing to learn from Jesus, this Middle Eastern man who came to Abraham in a tent and showed the world what true hospitality looks like. And friends, we are part of this grand story. We need to be hospitable. If you want to know how to grow in your faith, be hospitable. If you want to know how to be a part of Lake Ridge Community Church, be hospitable. Share food. Share in this. I think in doing so, we're going to entertain angels, but we might also entertain the very Lord himself who shows up to us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this grand story, for this ancient story of this, of this goat herder in a desert that you saw and you said, this is a faithful man. I'm going to be his friend. I'm going to come up to his tent. I'm going to know him. I'm going to make promises to him that I'm going to keep for millennia. I'm going to, make, and I'm going to fix everything that's broken in this world by continuing to show up. Thank you for Abraham. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for Sarah and for her laughing. Thank you that none of it was a shock to you and you can work through it all. So I pray for our community. First Lake Ridge Community Church, I pray that we would become people of such radical hospitality because we know that you are moving among us and you are here. So may we follow what you've invited us to and be those people 
And we pray for our city, for the people who are here from Afghanistan, for the people who are here from the Ukraine, for the people who are here from every continent in the world. Lord, may we see these people as people who we're going to sit around one day a beautiful banquet hall and look at each other and wonder and go, what happened? God is true to his promise that he was going to bring all people. Give us an imagination for this table, for your hospitality to us and our hospitality to everyone around us in Jesus' name.